Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We uh, come your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m., that's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Uh, again, new paradigms for a new world. We're looking for those new ways of living because the old ways, just look around us, they don't work anymore. I don't think you can really argue the point. They don't work. I mean, how many people do we have to have uh, in poverty, in the lower class, uh, and how many people do we have to have in the upper class and no middle class and the the classes to begin with why why do we have those in the first place i i maybe that's just the way it washed out and that's kind of the subject of today's program is is this aspect of um not necessarily economic equanimity all right I, that's not exactly where we're going but we're going to talk about it from the standpoint of um, not only the material world, but also more of the, the metaphysical aspects of what we have experienced in the last few months so with the whole issue of the banking crisis, as they call it, uh, a few closures of banks and, and so forth. And uh, we're going to talk about this with a gentleman who has some expertise in this area, especially from an intuitive perspective. His name is Elliot Robertson. And I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and your willingness to certainly share with our listeners your perspective. Uh, and and if, I were, if I'm reading this correctly, Elliot, if I'm reading it correctly, um, the in a manner of speaking, in the material world, the die has already been cast. And as much as those of us, myself included, the metaphysician that I am, want to be optimistic and positive, a glass half full kind of thing, there are some things that they're just going to be because the decisions have already been sort of made. And I don't mean that in the terms of uh, predestination. In other words, it's all laid out. I mean, in terms of decisions that have been made that have set this this locomotive in motion. Is that a fair assessment? And thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me on this show. And yes, um, I do focus on intuitive uh, awareness of what's going on rather than any expertise in finances. Uh, yeah, what you're saying about the die being cast is quite accurate from where I sit. But by that, I mean the ball is already rolling and nothing can stop the ball from getting to some of the destinations that it's going towards. For example, uh, the thing that I've been having my intuition come up for is the closing of banks uh, everywhere you go, not just the handful that we have already seen. I think those are just sort of the canary in the cave, you might say, mm -hmm. of what uh, is going to happen in a much bigger way uh, as we proceed over the next few weeks and months. Well, it's, it is uh, something that obviously is a major focal point for a majority of people, whether they be in the government, other uh, financial institutions, certainly, uh, the media, it's as and and of course they say that the economy is the most important thing 
in our lives, in our civilization, without an economy. And I'm just sitting here going, I think uh, having clean drinking water and being able to breathe the air and uh, uh, unpoisoned food uh, actually, I think, ranks a little higher uh, than the economy. Uh, because if we don't survive, there is no economy. And and I find that interesting with corporations today who balk at regulations uh, that try to keep the uh, public safe, the consumer safe, and yet they still try to skirt it. They still try to skirt these regulations to try to maximize profits and so on and so forth. And this is just one element of this whole thing. Um, again, not being an economist yourself, and I'm not either. I'm just a guy who's observing and sharing my observations as you are sharing your intuition, intuitional insights. Um, this this whole scenario, I mean, we saw this go, we didn't we kind of saw this happen in 2008, 2009, didn't we? And And is that another one of those um signposts along the way that uh we we should have uh, uh we should have heeded but obviously we didn't because well guess what it seems like we're right back there again yeah i really haven't given much thought to 2008 2009 so that's an interesting um thing to look at and make comparisons about i'd like to backpedal just for a little bit sure. to provide more clarity about what i mean when i say i'm intuitional and when i'm an intuitive what I really mean to say, if, if I were to be more specific and accurate about it, is I'm in a, a world stage intuitive. And if you were to come to me and say, oh, what's my living situation going to be in a week? I can't answer personal questions. I don't have that uh, gift. So for a long time, uh, I was sort of discounting the world stage intuitions I was getting. They were just popping up all over the time, all over the place but I didn't label them, identify myself as an intuitive based on that I, because I thought that the definition of intuitive was being able to answer those personal questions that sometimes people like to ask intuitives. But just to um, clarify uh, with respect to um, this particular bank closure thing, there are two different kinds of intuition that I um, experience. And if I can just lay those out very briefly, then I can tell you which ball, which bucket the bank closures are attached to, where they, where they sit in me, where my intuition is coming from. The first kind of intuition uh, is the direct intuition. For example, I might look at a picture of somebody, uh, I, I did look at a picture quite a few years ago of a lady, a politician, real stage, standing far apart, looking very rejected or forlorn, uh, apart from her husband. And I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> and it was just so apparent to me from the first moment of looking at that picture that it was all about, uh, not about her true feelings, uh, because I don't, I just knew it was not a surprise to her what was going on in their relationship. Uh, that she had already known about it and it wasn't uh, like she was feeling jilted. Um, it was just that I knew that the entire photo was an opportunity to garner sympathy, to garner votes, and so on and so forth. Um, so that's direct, and they just show up all the time. More recently with that same lady, I saw a picture of her, she's become a senator. I saw a picture of her at a Senate event, and I immediately knew it wasn't her. 
uh, it was a direct knowing that it, I thought it was a lookalike. And later on, I learned something more about technology. So I think it may have been a technological event that mm -hmm. I was um, looking at in the photo. In any event, um, I don't want to get sidetracked about technology. That's that's one kind, and that's not the kind of intuition that um, has been taking place for me around financial stuff and bank closures. The other kind is I can hear the bell of truth ringing within me if I'm engaged in listening to somebody say something that is absolutely true, that's a bullseye. And in this particular case, I was watching somebody speaking on YouTube. It was all about how bank closures are right around the corner. And I have a very good sense of discernment for what's true and what goes clunk. And in this case, I just absolutely knew that exactly what this guy was um, predicting to happen was indeed on its way. Mm -hmm. I don't deal with timelines, though. I don't really, uh, that's just not my forte to say exactly how much longer we're going to have to wait. Well, and and what we're going to do with this particular program, some people are going, well, that's awfully pessimistic and all and on and on. No, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. Because we are going to deal with the more optimistic aspects. Again, the opportunities in 2008, 2009, uh, despite or because of what happened, a lot of people, I don't know if it was hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. Ah, but guess what came along after that? The entrepreneurial boom. It was, it, it exploded. People figured out, you know, I didn't want to work for that company anyway. I want to do my own thing. And they found things to do even during the pandemic that was uh, brought about, uh, in, uh, 20 March of 2020, People initially a little shock, I'm sure, you know, being uh, 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 sequestered in their homes and so forth. And then they began to realize, you know what, I'm home and I got all this time on my hands. I could do this and I could do that and I could help people and I could, et cetera, et cetera. And again, another entrepreneurial boom. So that's really what we want to talk about here today uh, with uh, with Elliot Robertson. Uh, it, that's kind of. I mean, yes, you have this information, this insight uh, from your intuition, but you also uh, are are aware of opportunities that are available to folks through these kinds of challenges that we as human beings face, correct? Yeah, it doesn't have to be financial. All sorts of life challenges can come up. And I'm really grateful for the challenge of the bank closures that are coming up because I think that's going to act as a catalyst for spiritual growth for so many people. We're going to continue talking with Elliot Robertson. And again, we're talking about uh, the bank closures and opportunities during this uh, challenging time that uh, there are those who say even who are econ economists who are saying the same thing. We'll see. We'll see what happens as the days and the weeks and the months roll on. Uh, but at the same time, we'll also take a look at some of those opportunities as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Elliot Robertson's my guest here on the program. Give us a little bit of the background on you and also on this uh, this intuitive aspect of you. I mean, we promote on this program all the time, Elliot. Uh that we want people to spend time going within. We call it the decade of perfect vision, where we encourage people to go within and to listen to that still small voice. Now, 
most of the time, most of us are listening for ourselves. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not listening for Elliot and Elliot's not listening for me. Elliot is listening for Elliot and Richard's listening for Richard. But you are also a, a connected in some other way to a, a, a worldly, if you will, or global uh, insight. Am I categorizing that correctly? That's the place where my intuition is strongest is when it comes to events happening on the world stage. Okay. How long have you had this, this uh, uh, um, global stage insight, we'll call it? It's been at least 20 or 30 years. And when it first started, what was your initial reaction? Well, you know, what I ended up experiencing for the most part is just not really giving much credit to it because, like I was saying earlier, I didn't really connect the dots between that being intuition uh, or making me an intuitive. Uh, I just compared myself to some of the people out there who um, I think of as intuitives and how they're able to, at the drop of a hat, know what's going to happen uh, or what potentials are available. I don't mean to make it sound predictive, but just know what the probabilities are for somebody uh, in their personal life. So I wasn't matching up with my understanding of what intuition was. And so it was not like it was a big deal. It was not like something was I was focusing on. It was just something that was I was experiencing in my life again and again. Mm. Uh, at the same time, um, looking back, um, I just noticed how um, spot on a lot of things were. Um, I'm not going to, just one more example that I'll throw out there that I'm not going to name uh, was a moment when I said to my secretary, we were both aware of something that was going on uh, right after we had arrived at the office, it started. And um, I, based on you know what was going on around me, I was like, oh my goodness, the United States is the only country that could have pulled this off. Nobody else in, in the world could have done that. Uh, New York Times did not and still hasn't uh, collaborated my intuition. But when my intuition shows up, it's very often uh, just a knowing and it has a certainty to it. And uh, so there has never been a moment of doubt um, since that moment, since, it, since while the event was happening, I said to my secretary, this is what's happening. It's not... Uh, something that uh, a lot of people are going to think it is. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the, I find this this all very interesting. As I said at the front end of the program, we don't usually talk about current events. At the same time, um, we can't escape the world in which we live, and we do have to find those ways of, of maneuvering through these challenges. And as you have stated, this decade has been one of the great optim, uh, you, you, I should say this decade has been one of great optimism for you. And whenever you think of the future, it is with certainty, uh, certainty that all is working together for the good of humanity, a quantum leap catalyzed by the, uh, unprecedented challenges, uh, that could be on the way. And, because everything is fluid, everything is in motion, uh, I do like the fact that you say here that uh, it is the likelihood 
of bank closures. You're not saying that the banks are all going to close, but the likelihood we've already had, uh, I think, two. As far as I'm aware, there have been at least two that have closed. Uh, I know they're working on trying to keep one. I, I heard that, uh, for example, the uh, Silicon Valley uh, S- SVB, I believe it was, Um they were trying to split it up into two parts to see if they couldn't find people who were willing to, I suppose, take it on uh, and so forth. And yet they are reassuring um, depositors, I guess, that their funds are secure because they're covered by this uh, FDIC insurance and so forth and so on. But when we talk about being optimistic um and uh, keeping our chins up with positivity, if you will, using your words. Um, what is it that we want to be looking toward or looking at to do just that, to regardless of what's happening on the outside of us, what should we be doing on the inside? Yeah, you know, I just recently uh, wrote a PDF, I mean, an ebook very short ebook that uh, is called preparing for the the bank closures and it's not about advice in terms of oh you should buy silver or you should buy gold or mm-hmm. whatever i don't i don't know what all the different options are i'm not a financial expert uh it's not that kind of, preparing often means that to people so that's why i say no it's not what preparing sounds like it's all about preparing yourself for being sovereign and unshakable when it happens. And I think that it's not, it's never too early to know that there's the possibility of something that is going to be earth-shaking right around the corner. And it's never too early to prepare for that inwardly, to have some spiritual growth going on, to, um, especially in this particular case, to start thinking more expansively. So often we fall into the trap of just getting into the quicksand, you might say, of being a victim. The banks close, for example, if if that's what ends up happening. And the tendency might be to fall into the trap of, oh, I'm a victim and there's nothing I can do about it. And the world is more powerful than me. The banks are, I have no recourse. Incidentally, the FDIC, according to my source of information, for the bank closures has a very limited amount of capital and cannot, uh, has already spent 25, 20% of it mm-hmm. with just the few that have closed. So they're down to 80% already Yeah, uh, of their total amount. So um, there, there may be a lot of rough sledding going on and unrecoverable funds. And we can prepare for that by um, coming, standing in our in- invincibility. And there are a number of ways to do that. One of them is to just uh, ask what if questions, because if we're asking what if questions, we're, we are inviting our span or lens or aperture to become broader and to not get stuck in that little quicksand spot of this is how the world looks, This that narrow mentality of, there's nothing I can do about it. It's hopeless. I'm a victim. End of story. If we have, uh, if we're asking what if questions such as, what if this is a chance for me to discover the power within me? What if this is a chance for me to um, 
be more fully involved in my community, supporting people with their needs and receiving support from them for my needs. There's, and, and I, do, I don't want to give you suggestions. I'd love to invite all of you to just write your own list mm -hmm. and just allow your imagination, tap into your own imagination and come up with whatever's right for you in your situation. But whatever what if questions are the ones that are most real for you and practical for you and more alive in you than the ones that I'm just putting out there as examples. What is it that you do, um, say, nine to five? If there is uh, nowadays, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't even work nine to five. I mean, some days are longer, some days are shorter. And it just kind of it's a wonderful thing to have that level of flexibility. But what about you? You know, uh, I've been a spiritual growth coach for a number of years now, and it's only recently that I've started to call myself a road sage intuitive. And this has really helped me to start to look at my role as a spiritual growth coach with a broader perspective, with a deeper perspective, just knowing that there's more I can do than simply uh, go down the path of helping people with their spiritual growth. I can also tap into my intuitions and help let uh, sort of merge the two and intertwine the two and allow uh, exercises that will help with spiritual growth, that will help with expanding one's vision of what's possible and so on and so forth to address not only what's going on inside and my own ability to step into my sovereignty and my invincibility or my client's uh, to help my clients step into themselves and, and to get in touch with their invincibility. But also it can be helpful uh, in, in um, preparing for the disasters that are happening on the world stage, especially if I have a specific thing that I can bring to a client's attention, such as the banks closing most likely very, very soon. Mm. Uh, I, it's just sort of like a marriage between these two uh, hats that I wear, spiritual growth coach and world stage intuitive. I'm so glad I can bring them to the service of the same person in the same moment in the same session. And, and you said it was rogue sage intuitive? World stage. Intuitive. Oh, world. world. I beg your pardon. Yeah. World stage. World stage intuitive. Elliot Robertson is my guest. And this is Tell Me Your Story. Uh, it is really a pleasure to have you, Elliot, Elliot Robertson here on the program, World Sage Intuitive, World Stage Intuitive. I, I One of the things that I'd like to talk a little bit about is um, if through your experience as a spiritual coach as well, um, what does the, again, the outer world economy or economic system, what does that represent for us? internally as individuals can you do you have an insight into that as to what that represents within us because there always seems to be some i mean when there are uh weather disturbances hurricanes tsunamis uh, uh volcanic eruptions earthquakes uh tornadoes we had you know a series of uh, what was it 17 atmospheric rivers uh flow over california uh, people think that it's over. It's not over because we have so much snow up on the mountains. When the weather heats up and that snow starts to melt, that water's got to go somewhere and everything's full. Uh, so there's a representation there as well. 
can you give us any insight into uh, uh, this aspect of what we're talking about uh, in mm-hmm. terms of these economic challenges? What do they mean for us as individuals spiritually? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I have not been delving into, giving much thought to uh, over the years. And perhaps I will expand in that direction. I love that question. What I have been uh, noticing is just whatever comes our way uh, as we travel down our path. Uh, even in my case, one of the things that came my way was the need to adjust the routine I had every morning. This was just uh, two or three years ago. All of a sudden, the cafes in the spring of 2020, uh, the ones in my city, all closed down. And my routine had been to go first thing in the morning to a cafe to either write a to-do list or a poem or whatever. I would always go just with pen and paper and spend an hour or whatever with a cup of coffee. Uh, So that was something that I did have a little grief about. It was a loss. And I did have a little cursing going along with it. That's a human response. (laughs) And hopefully I was able to dwell on the positive and glance at the negative instead of just getting totally 100% into the cursing and the griping. Um, so in any event, what I what I notice when I look at the world, uh, both in general terms, the large ongoings, and in personal life stories, uh, whatever, you know, uh, your wife leaves you or whatever, um, something's more small and personal than what's on in the headlines. Mm-hmm. All of these things that we encounter, whatever cards were dealt, are always possibly have the possibility of being used as fertilizer for the garden within us. Uh, There's always the chance that we will um, end out sort of like, they're always um, sort of like going to the gym. They always invite us to go to the spiritual gym and have a spiritual workout and become more uh, spiritually enriched and less spiritually impoverished, more spiritually mature. Um, so that's that's more my perspective in general. Hmm. Well, I I uh, like I said, I I love what what some of our guests have shared in that regard. That uh, stuff that happens on the outside is a reflection of what's going on on the inside of each one of us at at some level. Uh, you know, uh, not necessarily to the level of the kind of turmoil that we might experience with, let's say, any of those other natural disasters or even man-made disasters uh, for that matter. Uh, but I've always found that interesting. And and I I do try to keep an open mind in that regard to, to uh, seeing what's going on. And uh, it's just really, really interesting. And there's also the desire to want to separate oneself from all of these external events. Uh, there's a, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I try not to listen to the news and try not to listen to the, the, uh, I'll call it the rhetoric from the individuals who are being covered, regardless of what their position is in government or in education or the economy or religion or sports or what have you, uh, because that's their stuff. That's not mine. And I don't need that energetic influx. Uh, You know, I really don't. I'd rather be out there with my battery powered weed whacker cutting down the grasses that have grown crazy (laughs) with all of the rain uh, and the snow that we had up, uh, up, up where we live. 
Uh, we're talking with Elliot Robertson. He is a spiritual coach. I want to talk a little bit more about that aspect of your life and the work that you do as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, Elliot Robertson's my guest. Uh, he is a uh, he is a world stage uh, intuitive. I want to thank you, of course, uh, again for for sharing your insights because a lot of folks a lot of folks get very scared. When people start talking about, uh, and, and bear in mind, I worked for 15 years for a Christian radio station, and they were always talking about the end of the world and, and the Antichrist and Armageddon and all of this stuff. And granted, I'd only been around it for 15 years, but it was only after about four or five years, I was getting bored with the story. It was like, is there anything I can do to help bring that, but bring about all of this stuff that you're talking about? You say it's going to happen. So how can I help to facilitate it's happening so we can move on to a new story? Because this is getting old. This is get. You guys have been talking about this for 2000 years. We need to come up with a new story. <laughs> and I'm wondering about that in terms of the work that you do with people who, who are, they do, they get sort of trapped in their fear, Elliot. Uh, uh, and it's almost as if they need to write a new story. Uh, is that a technique that you've uh, you've ever in, in incorporated in terms of uh, helping them to to shift? Because we, I, I know you would agree, we have to go through these emotions. Can't go around them. We can't sidestep them. Do you? How do you help people to go through these emotions so they can get unstuck? Yeah, one of the first steps, the most foundational thing, is just to become aware of the choices you're making. And the choice to uh, sabotage yourself, for example, to um, let fear uh, lead the way, uh, those are all choices. And there are other choices available. Uh, so often people don't think of uh, the negative, limiting, constricting things that they do, such as sabotaging themselves, such as letting fear get in the way, such as go, diving into despair and doubt uh, at the drop of a hat. Um, but some people, I think it's very easy to just think, oh, that's just the way I am. Or I've always been a doubtful person. Uh, all sorts of stories like that can keep us from having awareness and seeing that there's a choice before us. So starting with um, just the whole powerful notion of choice and asking clients to get in touch with what choices they've been making over the last week. You know, I do things week by week mm -hmm. uh, to have a moment with pen and paper and to jot them down. Writing can really help with awareness. And then to just take a look at what's on the other side of the fence, what's on the other side of the possibility uh, how it could have, how maybe next time, you, if you catch yourself, what might end up happening is a different choice. Hmm. You ever run into people who that's, that's almost their mantra. I don't have a choice. I have to do this. You know, uh, I, I, and I've, I've said this, I don't care where you are. If someone were listening to this in a prison, you know, or in a, some institution where, you know, they were sequestered, so to speak. You still have choices. 
You always have choices. It just depends upon what it is that you want. And is that sort of the core uh, of making choices is you kind of need to know what it is that you want? Definitely. that can That's one of the pieces that can really be helpful for sure. And also just uh, having some awareness around the choices you are making uh, can also be helpful uh, as opposed to like you were giving an example of people saying, oh, I don't have a choice, I have to do this. Uh, just having some awareness of the entire landscape. Hmm. Uh, when you Now, you said you have been uh, aware primarily of the world stage and, and your intuition for, you said, what, 20, 30 years? Mm-hmm. Okay. But what about your personal intuition? That must have come along even earlier. Can you share a little bit about uh, about your own personal experiences with hearing that voice and, and also reaching a point of trust? Well, I'm glad you're bringing up the word trust. Um, as far as my own intuition goes, my best examples, my uh, I don't mean my most glitzy or showy examples, I mean my truest moments of intuition have been world stage. So what I'm beginning to notice is that there are all ways in which uh, intuition can show up. We're all very intuitive. Uh, I really think that we're all mystics and we're all intuitive. We all have an inner knower. Uh, and But in some cases, the natural default realm in which your intuition might show up most, or at least in my case, it's the world stage. And in other cases, uh, I, I have a friend who finds that scary and would never want to get any intuition from the world stage, or maybe she's just saying that jokingly. But uh, for her, it's always just one-on-one uh, settings when she's sitting down with somebody and just gets a question, even without having ever met the uh, her client or whoever it is that has just introduced themselves without having necessarily any of the background story. So that's what, what in other words, basically, fruit juice is the juice, the juice of intuition shows up whether or not it looks like an apple or like a pear or like a mango. The intuition, the juice is still there. It's just intuition is intuition, no matter where it shows up. And for me, it has been the world stage primarily. And I'm glad you brought up the word trust because that is really, you know, if I if I want to lead clients to just one thing, it is trust. If if I just want to limit it to one thing, that is just the key to you were asking about, well, how do you remain optimistic when the banks are closing or whatever is going on around you? And um when all is said and done. It is a journey towards deepening and deepening and deepening one's trust in uh, in the cosmos, in God, however you want to think of trust. And in fact, I'm reminded of Albert Einstein's quote, uh, the most important question is, is the question, is the universe friendly? How you answer that question makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Interesting. And I, I got to thinking about this uh, as you were as you were sharing what you were sharing about this issue of trust, um, there were a lot of people 
who don't trust other people, let alone their their still small voice, that that intuition, the messages that they're getting from inside. And I always hearken back to an episode of Star Trek Next Generation where the episode, I don't know that it was called Trust, but it dealt with that issue. And we're talking about now, of course, the Android uh, data. And he's having this interaction with uh, First Officer uh, Riker. And at the end of the episode, uh, he and Riker are having a conversation and uh, Data says, well, you know, when you trust, you know, you, 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 you end up getting hurt. So wouldn't it be better to avoid the hurt and not trust? To which Riker responds, no, absolutely not. Uh, and I'm kind of that way in that, uh, you know, I, I hear from people on occasion uh, when they find out about a certain situation that happened uh, in business with a particular client uh, or uh, what have you that, well, it didn't quite go the way I had thought it would go, but you know, it's, it, it went the way it went period. And they said, well, yeah, well, you should never have anything to do with that person again. I said, well, okay. We had one situation and it almost harkens back to the story. I heard you referred to Einstein before uh, another story. I heard about Einstein in school and he was asked to come up and write on the board uh, his timetable of uh, nine, nine times one. And he wrote it out as nine and nine times two is 18 and so forth, all the way up to uh, nine times nine is 81. And then nine times 10. And he put 92. And everybody started laughing and criticizing and so forth. And he turned around and basically said, isn't it interesting how I, I I was able to get nine answers correct and nobody said anything. Nobody said how, oh, that's wonderful. That's correct. Very good. You, you're very smart. All you could do is criticize the 10th time where I made what you perceive of as a mistake. Of course, he knew what nine times 10 was. And that seems to be the way that a lot of people are when they're they're around people that maybe they've known i mean i have a best friend and i love saying that i've known him for over 50 years uh we we met uh in uh, sixth grade and um we've been through a lot we, we went on a trip together money almost drove us apart and i said i'm not willing to sacrifice this relationship over this issue of money so i'm basically going to say you don't owe me anything because we argued over, well, you owe me this and you owe me that. And you, owe, you know, no, let's just call it even and preserve the friendship. Um, and, and and I just see so many people. And now in our day here, in, here we are today, Elliot. We've got people that are splitting up in families over, you'd think religion, right? You'd think, uh, you know, politics. Which is, I love what one of, uh, I've, I, it's been framed this way, politics, it's nothing more than theater. So get some popcorn. <laughs> if you're going to watch, get some popcorn and uh, have a little laugh track going and watch it as though it were theater. It's not serious. Um, because these connections, um, how do you help people in that regard through the spiritual counseling? to foster these, these, would you say, necessary connections? Because isn't that how we're designed? 
to be connected? I mean, you and I would agree we're already connected. Okay. We're, we're, you know, we're all connected. Okay. That we'll set that aside metaphysically for the moment. When I'm talking about these relationships on the material level, isn't that what, how we're designed to be? Absolutely. I so appreciate your question. And we are all connected and we all have more of a, an awareness. Uh, it becomes more palpable. It becomes more the guide of our relationships, uh, that knowing of our connection, that sensing of our connection, that living from the, the compassion and the love shows up and our relationships get better as we grow mature and mature spiritually, mm-hmm. as we um, start with our relationship with ourselves and notice how we've been judging ourselves and come to a place of uh, really, I, I would say totally, ultimately totally letting go of self-judgment. Yeah. Uh, so from there, it just really just flower and spring out in all directions. Uh, so yeah, it does begin with, Um, having a certain level of maturity spiritually from the practice of, uh, from the spiritual practices, uh, from dealing with the fertilizer, doing the work, uh, having awareness, and so on and so forth. Hmm. I remember when my best friend uh, and I, we were probably in our late teens or early 20s, and, and he came out to me. You know, he he told me that he was gay and I'm going, what do you want me to do with that? I, I, I doesn't change anything for me. It doesn't change a darn thing about our relationship. Well, you're still my best friend. You just happen to be gay. So what? You know, uh, and and I find that that a lot of people in families, you know, that's 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 one of the big things that especially with uh, parents who are. Oh, locked in a particular belief system that says that's not okay. And it's like, well, who are you to say? You know, it's not your life. You know, and my parents, for example, uh, um, they they basically let us become the people that we are. They would not interfere. Uh, now, obviously, as kids growing up, they they were there to guide us, and and they gave us everything that they could as we were growing. But once we reached that age, I guess you might say, of accountability. They pretty much let us do what we were going to do. I mean, I've been divorced once, <laughs> my brother twice, but my sisters, my sisters all have been with the same man for uh, for the duration thus far. Okay. And, and they're all very happy and they are genuinely happy with the partnership that they have. And that's great. Um, I've gone to my parents asking advice, and that was the only reason why my parents would ever get involved is if we came to them. Um, do you find that, do you have to, do, do you have uh, uh, challenges with some folks who come to you? They're, you know, that some of the stuff that they might share with you, even on a spiritual level, is really personal. My father, I don't know. I, I mean, I know a little about his spiritual life, but it's his, not mine. Okay. Um, and so that's okay that I don't know. But, there are those who are very shy, shall we say. They're introverted when it comes to their spirituality. And it is a personal thing, and I get that. But when you're trying to coach them and guide them and so forth, do you do you run into some little blocks here and there that you're able to uh, help them to work through to, 
I don't want to say open up necessarily, but at least consider those possibilities we were talking about? Yeah, I think that you're imagining a spiritual growth coach to be different from what I feel like I am. Okay. And that's fine. Uh, maybe there are some spiritual growth coaches out there, I don't know, who, who, um, who delve into the happenings in that people are encountering uh, the things that are going on in their personal lives. And that can come up when people are working with me. However, the it's all in the context of homework assignments. Uh, basically, uh, when I'm working with clients, I have designed programs and the programs are just a lot of rich exercises that you can do to support yourself in uh, having more awareness about how you're sabotaging yourself or whatever. And then the time that we spend together a week later is first and foremost about reviewing the exercises, reviewing the insights that may have come up, the awarenesses, uh, you know, the questions and answers, the, how did the visualization go or whatever the exercise homework assignment may have been. And then from there, um, we may end up just going straight to, okay, the next seven days, this is going to be the fertilizer you use for your spiritual growth. Uh, so it's not really um, a, like a counseling session necessarily, or I imagine there are a lot of spiritual directors who would probably be more like a counseling session. It really is just... Um, my own understanding of what I want the spiritual growth coach to be able to do. And, you know, I like having it in that way because then those who graduate or whatever and finish that program have a reference point for, oh my goodness, I can go back to this exercise or I can design my own exercise if they want to be that bold or, oh, I already have done gone through that process with him and now I can sort of be my own spiritual coach and uh, have that dialogue with me mm -hmm. uh, about, oh my goodness, this is what I'm just now catching myself doing or whatever. If, if the homework was about catching yourself with a pattern of bitterness or whatever your pattern might be. Mm. Uh, and I just also want to applaud your parents because it sounds to me like they had a, have been not really having much in the way of expectations or demands, at least compared to a lot of other parents out there. And I really feel like it can be a trap to have expectations about yourself, about the world, about other people. Expectations have to be all of them thrown out the window and you can replace them with a sense of expectancy and a sense of anticipation with a looking forward to a wondering about what might show up today as you walk out the door. I feel like even though the word expectation and expectancy sound the same, mm -hmm. they really are vastly different and, and maybe even opposites. If we have a wonderful sense of expectancy about good things coming our way, uh, and, and if we allow expectancy to be more defining our relationship with other people as opposed to demands and expectations. Those energies uh, would block the communication, the intimacy, getting to know them better, and expectancy, although coupled maybe with curiosity and other wonderful things, invites people to reveal themselves, uh, invites getting to know people better and establishing some intimacy. Mm. 
I, I love it. I and and I like that definition. And and, and certainly, my parents um, certainly did uh, do the ver- that very thing. Uh, and um, they have been and verbally have stated that they have been proud of each one of us, all six of us kids. Uh, they they raised six. They wanted a big family. So they got one and uh, but they've told each one of us how proud of them, how proud of uh, us they are in terms of what we have made of our lives. And each one of us has made of our lives something different from the other five. And um, and it's it's really uh, it's really kind of cool. And my father, who just recently passed away. Uh, I think about him a, an awful lot. As a matter of fact, this vest that you see me wearing is actually my father's vest. It's one of those things that um, uh, my mother asked me to go through some of his things while I was there for the memorial. And so this was this was one of them. And uh, I wear it almost every day when I come into come into work. And it just reminds me of him and reminds me of the lessons that he taught me. Uh, and uh, and so forth. So I think that each one of us is going to find those. I'll ca- I like to call them anchors uh, that help us to uh, to move forward. We're talking with Elliot Robertson here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, along with Elliot Robertson. He is a spiritual counselor. He is a world. He is a world stage intuitive, and uh, I have to say that this this it's interesting to get this different perspective. Um, you know, nothing is said in concrete in, you know, even though, you know, we, we, we would both be in agreement that it does seem that the die has been cast, uh, and that, uh, uh, it's, you know, maybe it's, uh, the die has been cast in lead because if you melt lead, it goes liquid and then goes anywhere it wants to go. It's supposed to be in concrete and you have to use a sledgehammer to break it up. One of the things that I've heard too, Elliot is, uh, about institutions, and you know how we talk about, uh, you know, we're looking for those new ways of living because the old ways, they, they just aren't working, right? And I said uh, to one of my guests, I said, you know, I guess what we need to do is tear down the old institutions and build new ones. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Do not tear down the old institutions. What you want to do is you want to build new institutions that make the old ones obsolete. And then they'll crumble. They, they will just crumble under their own weight. It seems as though that's kind of what's happening in the world today. And with this conversation we're having about your insights uh, regarding your world stage intuition about uh, the banks and the financial institutions in our country in particular, um, that may, it's likely that they may all, they, they may start, you know, going down like, uh, a house of cards or dominoes, if you will, you know, you've seen those videos. Um, then there's going to be something that's going to be there to replace it. Uh, and yes. we don't know what that is. And you, you go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what you're saying is right on the money and um, no pun intended. I know we're talking about the bank closures, but it really is a bullseye what you're saying. And that's why I've been so optimistic. One of the things I've been celebrating and been happy about over the last few years is that um, we will have a chance to just totally focus all of our energy. We do have that chance right now to focus all of our energy on creating the new and to allow the crumble to to allow the old world to just fall however it will in mm-hmm. its own time and in its own way. We don't really, as you were saying, we don't really need to be uh, going around smashing it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love creating the new. 
And um, if you'd like to just be inwardly prepared for the uh, bank crisis that I really, I'm not so sure it can be avoided. I'm just not entirely sure there's any mm -hmm. way around it. Uh, if you'd like to be prepared for that, I welcome your sending me an email asking me to send you the free ebook. It will also give you um, some spiritual exercises that are sort of like what I offer my clients uh, that will give you a taste of um, what it's like to use the kinds of fertilizers that I like to work with. But uh, the main thing is, is that it will sort of get you started on kindling the sovereignty within you, on kindling the clarity and the willingness to um, be your own best friend, no matter what's going on in the world. So um, just send me an email and request the ebook, and I'll get it to you right away. Uh, the email address for me is Elliot Robertson, that's E-L-L-I-O-T-T, -T, two L's and two T's, Robertson, Joyful world, no punctuation, one word, at gmail.com. So Elliot, joyful world at gmail.com. Elliot Robertson, joyful Elliot, world. I beg your pardon, Elliot Robertson. <laughs> I'm going to mess it up. Elliot Robertson. Uh, and uh, we and we'll, we will also link to that email address. We'll put that in the, in the video where that folks can see, but we'll also put that link uh, in in uh, in our podcast as well, so people can click on that and it'll open up their their email uh, generator, what have you, and 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 they can do that. Uh, and just ask for that uh, that ebook that you're talking about. Is there a title for that? Preparing for this for the bank closures for the coming bank closures. Preparing for the coming bank closures, you know, and and we don't know how severe it's going to be. It could be mild. It could be severe, but needless to say, it reminded me, and we shared this in our conversation. Uh, it reminded me of the um, uh, Vedic astrology that, that I used to uh, uh, talk with my friend, uh, David Hawthorne about, he's a Vedic astrologer and how, uh, what he does is he lays out this, this map, this roadmap. Uh, and along the way, uh, he tells you, okay, uh, there's going to be rain here. There'll be snow here, a little wind over here, sunshine over here, and so on and so on and so on. And he lays out, for example, the conditions that as you travel along this road, you're going to run into. And you can choose to prepare for those conditions before you get there so that they are not ne as ne nearly as... Uh, uh, say devastating or or uh, um, chaotic or uh, interfering with your forward motion, shall we say? And then, and then you eventually pass through that particular area and you move on to the next one and so forth. And that's really all you're t saying is that yes, this is what you're seeing. Uh, as I said before, and a lot of economists are also speculating as well you know and so forth so what's wrong with being prepared and there are ways to do that and staying optimistic and staying with that glass half full i'm not sure what it's full of uh money i suppose <laughs> fill that glass half full with money uh but um that seems to me the the message that you're sending is is that we just we need to to do those little things it doesn't sound like these are horrendous things that that we need to do uh, just to just to prepare. We talk about this here in California all the time. Are you prepared, whether it's for the big one that I've been hearing about since the 70s, uh, maybe even earlier than that, a wildfire, 
which certainly we have had over the decades that I've been here for 17 years. And with the rains we just had, the potential has just skyrocketed. Uh, so we need to prepare. And I think that uh, I think we'll be OK. I really do. And uh, and we'll we'll get through this period of time and, um, you know, whatever else comes your way. So uh, I thank you for sharing those uh, those concepts and ideas and optimism with us regarding this, the potentials. You're most welcome. And yes, sometimes we do need to start with baby steps to sort of get our sales and we're inner sales set in the right direction. And that can lead uh, to uh, more and more uh, more steps in that direction uh, beyond baby steps. Also, um, there is some practical uh, uh, avenue to some practical steps in addition to preparing inwardly. Uh, the ebook does have a link to my source of information out of which my intuitions came, where I, the one who was speaking, who I had a bill of truth moment, as opposed to a clunk moment with. So it may end up serving you on both a practical and inward level. Mm. Give us that email address one more time. Elliot Robertson, Joyful World at Gmail. All right. And that's gmail.com. And we will, as I said before, we will link to that for Elliot Robertson as we talk more here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, Elliot, uh, we're fast approaching the end of our program. And I do want to thank you again for uh, uh, for sharing your insights and and, and so forth uh, from your intuition and and so forth. And again, everything's in flux. Everything is in motion. Everything's moving as we are, even as we are speaking. Uh, and and who knows? Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, uh, but we can certainly there's nothing wrong with preparing because the preparation in and of itself is sort of a distraction, shall we say, even though we're doing it for a reason. It gives you something to do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we, we, for example, when the first time we were evacuated uh, from a, uh, because of a fire back in 2017, um, we had this uh, four door, this four door uh, sedan uh, Volvo, and we packed everything we could in the trunk. And then we had animals in the front seat and in the back seat. And I mean, it was it was wild. Uh, but we had already prepared. We'd already packed up a bunch of stuff. So it was just okay. It's time to get out of Dodge. Well, you know, it'd be you, you get everything laid out and ready to go. And hey, if nothing happens, great. If something happens of a minor nature, even better, but uh, a major, you're you're set, you're ready to go, you know what to do, and and so forth. So uh, I want to thank you again for joining us, and I do have three final questions that I do want to ask you that I ask all of my guests, uh, and um, I'm glad you sought me out. I I was, I'm I'm intrigued by uh, all of these th these insights that people have, uh, uh, my guests included, uh, and uh, because it opens up some. It opens up avenues of curiosity, at least for me, and I'm hoping for our listeners as well. But before I ask you those three questions, uh, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and then Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We uh, stream at those times at richarddugan.com. And we podcast at iCloud, uh, that SoundCloud 
<laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, many other locations as well. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And um, we hope that you will do so. Hope you'll subscribe. Uh, at least uh, uh, hit notifications so that every time I put a new conversation up, you will know it. And you can go there and listen to our guest and hear what they have to say as well. We also ask that if you can support this uh, project, this uh, program financially, we would greatly appreciate that. It is only an ask. Okay. Uh, this is not a question of, oh, and we won't be here next week if you don't. No, 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 no. I played that game. I, I saw that game being played enough in, in religious broadcasting in the 15 years I was there. I, I swore I will. I would never, ever do that. Okay, but if you can support us, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And then also, as we've been talking about all program long about intuition, we ask you to take time during this, the decade of perfect vision, to go within and listen to that still small voice. And then sometimes just sit there quietly. Maybe there is no voice to speak. Maybe it's just you need to take a, uh, take a breath. Breathe, feel your breathing, feel the breeze on your face and, and arms and hands and what have you. Uh, listen to the wind if there's a breeze through the trees and, and get out in nature as much as you can. We hope that you can do that. With all that, I want to again thank uh, Elliot uh, uh, Robertson for joining us. And on my, the first of my three questions to you is, who is Elliot Robertson? I am discovering that with each passing day more and more, and I hope I can help clients also discover who they are more and more as they continue to look within and do the work. Mm. What is your life's purpose? I'm here to lift people up. That's been my life's purpose. Uh, I detected that when I was 20 years old. I discerned it when I was 20, mm. and it's been part of my mission statement ever since. And finally, what was your best day? Today has been my best day. Thank <laughs> you for making me, helping me notice that. <laughs> and I thank you for being a part of Tell Me Your Story, too. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it every, every minute of it. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast videocast, love to lol. Jeanette, I'm still listening. And dad, be happy.